It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Today we are going to discuss some news and notes surrounding the Tigers organization as well as some rumors. We're going to talk about Kenta Maeda, whether that fit makes sense. We're going to talk about a potential Jonathan India trade, if that makes sense. And then we're going to pay our respects to Willie Hernandez. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. All righty. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Happy Wednesday. Uh, So we are going to discuss a few things. Kind of got a grab bag of stuff we got to talk about today. Uh, One, just being a couple of news and notes things around the organization that I want to update everybody on. Uh, Pretty cool update in terms of Tiger Town down in Lakeland. We'll talk about that here in a second. We also have a couple of reports saying that the Tigers and Kenta Maeda might be a, a good fit or that they've at least made contact. There's some rumors, nothing like super concrete, but there's been some some speculation, we'll call it, about Kenta Maeda and the Detroit Tigers. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we're also going to talk about a Jonathan India trade. Uh, Jonathan India is someone that I have been asked about for a very long time now uh, this year. I, I I constantly have listeners asking me about ever since the Reds kind of made it known that they were maybe willing to trade him. Uh, I, I get a lot of questions about if Jonathan India makes sense for this team, who we would have to give up, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to take a look at that, talk about Jonathan India himself, and if he is a fit on the Tigers, if it even really makes sense to go after him. And then we're going to end the show by paying our respects to one of the greatest Detroit Tigers to ever live, Willie Hernandez who sadly passed away on Tuesday at the age of 69 years old. Okay, so let's start with some news and notes. One right off the bat, and this isn't really Tigers related anymore, but he's just, he's a former Tiger. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me that he continues to get work, I guess. Uh, Brad Ausmus, it sounds like, will be a bench coach for the New York Yankees. Okay, that's pretty much all I have to say. Okay, all right, cool. Good luck. 
Um, uh, then after that, we have a pretty cool update. The Detroit Tigers are officially approved for a $33 million dormitory uh, in Lakeland. And with that agreement with the new dorms, they have also agreed to keep Lakeland as an affiliate for spring training and whatnot through 2044. Evan Petzold of The Freep wrote a great article kind of breaking this entire situation down. One of the more fascinating parts of it was that the affiliation between the city and uh, the Detroit Tigers began in the 30s, in the 1930s. So by the end of this current contract, and they could extend it again, obviously, at the end of it. But at you know, by the end of this current contract, it'll be over a century that those two, you know, that city and that team have been tied together. And I just think that's so cool, right? Like that's one of the coolest parts of baseball is just the history of it. And uh, it's it's funny. I, I saw, this is probably like a year ago. I wish I still had it saved, but I don't think I do. I, I, I could probably find it relatively easily though. You know, those maps that people make, that websites make, right? Where it's, you know, they, they have the map of the United States or the United States and Canada or, or all of North America or whatever. And they fill in, you know, the, the team logo in the region. And it's like, oh, this is like the most popular team in this area. And the Tigers only are the mitten, right? It's not even all the UP, right? A lot of a lot of people from the UP are are fans of uh, like Packers and, and Brewers and Twins, etc. Um, and so it, it's really just the mitten that that is the Tigers in the entire country, except for a tiny little dot in the heart of Florida. And that just makes me smile. I, I love Tiger Town. I'm glad that we got this. There's also been a lot of players that have come out, former players rather, that have come out and said that the dorms that the Tigers have been using in Lakeland absolutely sucked. And so the fact that we're getting these new dorms is really cool. Um, I This is a, a long list of things that Harris has done since joining the team. And I know, I know. Okay, before you you get your your typing fingers ready in the comment section, I know everyone wants money to be spent on players. I'm very very aware. I I want the same thing you do. Okay, I, I would. I, I'm I'm longing for the day that we are going to use that money on players as well. But it is nice to know that making the Detroit being a player for the Detroit Tigers organization more than just whatever happens on the field and that it's actually a good experience. We have the kitchen, the nutritionist saga from last year where the Tigers didn't have a nutritionist and we're like one of the only teams in baseball that didn't like the new team playing, et cetera, et cetera, new clubhouse renovations, the new ballpark renovations, like all of it is, and I'm not talking about moving center field in, uh, it, it's just, it's nice to know that upgrades are happening to the player experience. That's important in drawing in outside interest and in signing free agents. That does go a long way, even if it is kind of a, a slow and steady wins the race kind of approach. So I just wanted to point that out. That's an update. I appreciate it greatly. And, uh, and again, I'm with you. I'm hoping that some of these dollars can be put towards some players soon as well, but uh, we'll gladly take these new dorms in Lakeland and an extension of Lakeland, Lakeland as an affiliate. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the rumors that are surrounding the Tigers organization. One, uh, kind of the one of the front runners of this report was again Evan Petzold of the Freep. Uh, Kenta Maeda and the Detroit Tigers may have a link. There's really again, there's not like a ton of like concrete 
uh, I'm not going to use the word evidence, but uh, there, there's a ton of concrete, uh, I don't know, reports saying that this is definitely going to happen or is definitely a thing. But there is some speculation starting to swirl. MLB Trade Rumors had an article as well about uh, the possibility of Kenta Maeda and the Detroit Tigers. And one of the reasons that Evan cited was kind of similar to what we were talking about yesterday, where the Tigers, while maybe not willing to fork over the $200 million it may cost to get Yamamoto or 150 or 170 mil that it might take to get him, do want to start laying the groundwork of a pipeline to Japanese players. And Kenta Maeda might be a relatively cheaper, and I know nobody likes to hear the word cheaper, but like it might be a cheaper option to still get your foot in the door and start that pipeline. Now, is it someone that is directly coming straight from Japan to you? No. But uh, Maeda is, is obviously a prominent person and a prominent player in that group and in that community. And uh, I think that that is something that, again, like Ev cited and that several people have kind of cited as one of the reasons why the Tigers may be interested in him. Now, on the field is obviously the most important thing here. That's great. We 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 all, I, I read my own comment section, like I, I know for a fact, we all want to be bigger players in the international market. Everybody. My, I want to, you want to, your mother wants to. We all want to be bigger players in the international market. We all want to be bigger players for the NPV players in Japan. Um, so that's great if this is a way to do that. But this, we, we, we don't want to just sign someone who's going to have a 7 ERA either. Okay. And I'm not saying Kenta Maeda will. I'm just saying performance is obviously going to matter here. Uh, so let's talk about Kenta Maeda, the pitcher, and where he kind of fits into the Tigers organization, if it makes sense, if the profile lines up with what we're trying to do here, et cetera. All right, we will do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's a cool part about joining FanDuel right now, even though we're 11, 12 weeks into the NFL season. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is truly no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use with a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off this NFL season for you. Again, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Thanksgiving right around the corner. There are so many fun player props on Thanksgiving, so many Turkey Day props on FanDuel, and Lions football, baby. The boys are rolling. Big game against the Packers on Thursday. You got two other games. You got a Black Friday game now. We are really spreading the love over this NFL season, and you can get in on all the action at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow as always. Also got to tell you guys, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage. It's the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe 
to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's very cool. Okay, let's talk about Kenta Maeda. Uh, Kenta Maeda is 35 years old currently. Uh, I'm not sure when his birthday is, but at this time next year, he'll be 36. Sometime in the next year, he'll be turning 36. So getting a little bit up there in age, but uh, has continued to produce uh, really at the end of the day. Uh, 2023, his stats, he went six and eight on the mound. If you still are a person that uh, puts a lot of weight into pitching wins and losses, which I know as we go further and further down the analytics road that uh, more and more people become less interested in that. But I, I do want to accommodate everybody. I haven't been saying wins and loss record. And uh, I think I'm going to start uh, throwing that out there again, just to uh, to try to reach the widest audience possible, we'll say. Uh, so six and eight on the mound, four, two, three ERA in 21 games. He had 104 innings pitched, 117 strikeouts and a 1.17 whip, which uh, is pretty darn good. 1.14 whip is his career number and 3.92 ERA is that career number. So, uh, you know, I have a few thoughts on this and they kind of fight each other, right? I kind of go back and forth on this move a lot. One, uh, again, I'll reiterate a point earlier. I understand that everybody wants the big move and Kenta Maeda is certainly not like the big, huge splash. Okay. So we can get that out of the way right now. This, This is not going out and getting like a top end of the rotation guy. This would be someone who's going to be like third, fourth, or fifth in your rotation next year. Now, he could be a pretty solid fourth, like fourth rotation is kind of where I'm picturing him. He can be pretty solid there. Uh, four two three ERA last season, and even that is kind of at the expense of just a uncharacteristically horrible April. He had a nine ERA in the month of April and a one six three WHIP. Yet still ended the season with that four two three ERA. After April, his ERA month to month, 18295 in August, and then 281 in September. So uh 518 ERA pre-All-Star break, 379 ERA post-All-Star break with a 112 whip as well. I mean, just talking about the pitcher, like he's such a pro. Kenta Maeda is such a pro. I, I have nothing but like great things to say about like Kenta Maeda and how he handles his business and uh, and him on a little bit more of the personal side, like he just seems like such a, such a, uh, really a professional. I don't know the dude personally, obviously, but like I, I, he, he's such a pro on the mound and that's kind of reflected in his numbers as well. Like he, he doesn't allow too many walks is consistently it towards the top of the league. Not, you know, he's not in like the 95th percentile anymore, but uh, 6.5% walk rate this past year. That's 78th percentile. 27.3% strikeout rate. That's the 77th percentile. Chase rate, 76th percentile. Uh, whiff rate, 66th percentile. Like, he, he really is a, a professional modern-day pitcher, but he doesn't need velocity to do it, and that's why he's aged as well as he has as well. Uh, just just like kind of the definition of solid. And again, like he got off to a rough start. And I guess that's kind of like not the characteristics you would line up with like a quote unquote, just solid pitcher, but it's one month at the beginning of the year. And he, and it was pretty smooth sailing after that. Um, the, 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 a couple of things that do jump out at me as maybe cause for concerns is he had a ridiculously high uh, fly ball rate this year and a ridiculously low ground ball rate. 
His ground ball rate this season was in the ninth percentile, 33.6%. Just to give you a gauge of, of just how ridiculously low that is, the MLB average this past year was 44.6%. He was 11%, exactly 11% less than league average, just in inducing ground balls. That's not, that's always a number you would rather be higher. Uh, and his fly ball rate was 33.6% as well, which is unbelievably high. League average for fly ball rate was 23.5%. So he's 10% higher than league average in fly balls and 11% lower than league average in ground balls. That does play to Comerica a little bit, I guess you could argue, right? Like, but uh, that's, that's alarmingly high. That's, that's far too high. That's like scary high. The one thing that is kind of a counter to that is it's not his career numbers. They don't line up with his career. He has never even been close to that high in fly ball rates. He's never even been close to that low in ground ball rates. But the counter to that counter is that he's almost 36 years old. Like maybe it, it, like the stuff's starting to waver a little bit and that's just going to be like it's a slippery slope and that's just who he's going to be from now on. So you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of factors going on here. There's a lot of things that 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 really make my brain kind of fight with itself on, on how to feel about this. At the end of the day, he has been pretty consistently a high three or low four ERA pitcher for a majority of his career. Uh, four two three ERA last year. Expected ERA was three seven seven. Uh, Twenty twenty one had a four six ERA, and his expected ERA was three seven. COVID season, he was really good, but that's a shortened season. No one takes too much stock in that. Four oh four ERA, three eight one ERA, four two two, three four eight. That's every year since twenty sixteen. So like. He's consistently in that like three seven to four six range, which if he's going to maintain in there again, can be a solid four or five in your rotation. Um, the one thing that I keep clamoring for is innings. You need innings so 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 badly. I, I cannot stress enough how much you need innings. And this, he hasn't thrown over 150 innings since before COVID. The last time he broke 150 innings was 2019. 66 in 2020, shortened season, not his fault, but we have what we have. 2021, 106. 2023, 104. And didn't pitch, obviously, in 2022. And then even before 2019, 2018, 125. 2017, 134. 2016 for the Dodgers when he was still kind of at the the – start of the downturn of maybe like his true peak 175. So you're talking to a guy that's about a guy that since 2016, the last seven or eight years has gone pitched over 155 innings. Well, none, <laughs> right? Over 150 innings once over 155, zero times. That is a little bit of cause of concern for me as someone who Again, is just so much in the camp of you need innings. You need innings, you need innings, you need innings. And if this guy comes in and can give you 100 innings, that's great. But that's 20 starts. Where are the other, you know, 11 to 13 starts out of the fourth spot in your rotation going to come from exactly? Okay. So, uh, but yeah, good swing and miss stuff. Uh, the splitter is obviously one of the better pitches in baseball. Maybe he can mentor Casey Mize a little bit. I don't know if that's like a very talked about thing, but a guy who's a splitter first pitcher that has been able to pitch deep into his 30s 
and still be throwing the splitter, albeit with some injury stuff, certainly on his plate, uh, maybe can can help Mize a little bit. Uh, but yeah, can get swings and misses, can get strikeouts, doesn't walk too many, a professional on the mound, is not going to raise the ceiling of this rotation, but I think can raise the floor. And those moves are important too, as much as, you know, I uh, we have to see and talk about every day about how people want to make the big splash. I do too. But um, I, I would not be upset at the addition of Kenta Maeda, but I do have some, you know, like cause for concern that I think is pretty justified. Maybe y'all will tell me if I'm wrong with that. Okay. Let's talk about Jonathan India as well. Somebody who I have been asked about at length <laughs> over the last several months, really since the trade deadline, uh, to be completely honest with you. Let's talk about his fit with the Detroit Tigers organization. We'll do that right after this. What is up, everybody? Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, again, got to remind y'all and let y'all know that the Locked On Network has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All righty, let's talk about Jonathan India, shall we? Jonathan India uh, for the second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds has been a big topic of discussion in the trade market for months now, dating back to the trade deadline, really. And now that the offseason is here, it's kicking back up again and everybody is talking about should we get Jonathan India? Does it make sense to get Jonathan India? What teams out there does it make sense to get Jonathan India? And, you know, the Reds are, are young and talented, and I understand why they would want to trade him. I, I think it makes sense from the Reds' perspective. Does it make sense from your Detroit Tigers' perspective? Uh, this is the career of Jonathan India so far, okay? Rookie of the year in 2021. National League Rookie of the Year, fantastic season, 21 home runs, almost 70 RBIs, 11.3% walk rate, 22.3% K rate, that's very low, 269 average, 376 OVP, 479 slug, that is good enough for an 835 OPS, and he was worth over three war on fan graphs. Over three wins from a rookie is something you don't see every day. That's a very impressive season. I think he deserved his rookie of the year. Okay. Since then, he has put up in 2022 a 0.5 war season on fan graphs where he had an OPS of 705. And then this past season, 2023, had a 1.2 war season with an OPS of 745 at a WRC plus of just about 100. It was 99. So he was just about a league average hitter. Has played second base only his entire major league career. Um, the reason why I really do not have a massive urge to trade for Jonathan India is because I, I've said this before on air, and I'll say it again, I am completely under the impression that Colt Keith is going to be this team's second baseman for a majority, if not all, of 2024. That is the impression that I have from the organization, 
that is what I want to happen as well, which certainly doesn't doesn't hurt <laughs> when when what I want lines up with what I think the organization is going to do. Uh, I think it also just makes sense. Uh, you have a guy who has played second and third, came up as, as a second baseman. You moved him to third, had an injury. You're not comfortable with the arm at third anymore. Guess what? He rakes. He absolutely rakes. He has at every single level. And I think it's time to see what we have in him. So I think it. I think he should be the opening day second baseman. I don't think we should even mess around with service time and wait and whatever. I think Colt Keith should be this team's opening day second baseman. I think he should be the second baseman until game 162 in October. Um, obviously, performance-based, you know, if he struggles, whatever. Uh, but on paper, that's my impression. So I'm not really chomping at the bit to go bring in another second baseman, especially one who, again, since his rookie year has been a below-league average hitter, right, across two seasons. And uh, something that is not talked about very often is he is a putrid defender, like not to be too dramatic. And, and like, he's only 26 years old. It's something that he can absolutely develop and work on. But that's not even like, oh, his rookie year, he was good. And then he struggled like his hitting. No, that's just been constant. He is not a good defender. He has a negative 10 OAA season thrown in there. This past year, he was negative six. That was in the bottom 8% in all of baseball. His rookie year, he, he was well under zero. He has never had a good defensive season. He is not a very good defender. And with already the struggles we have seen from Torkelson, not that this is like a one for one, this is just a guarantee you shouldn't do it, but do you want your entire right side of the infield to just be like bad defenders? <laughs> And like, look, there's no guarantee Colt Keith is a positive defender. Let's make that abundantly clear. Colt Keith has had his struggles and taken his lumps on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. I'm not shying away from that. But I think the offensive ceiling is higher with Colt Keith. And Jonathan India does not raise the floor of the defense whatsoever when compared to Colt Keith. I just... And you'd have to obviously give up assets for him. This would be somewhat of a different conversation if India was just a free agent and we could just, you know, go out there and, and pay him whatever, 12 to $15 million for a year and maybe plug him in uh, until you're like confident, quote unquote, Colt Keith is ready because we want to keep these guys in the minors for 87 years. But like, and uh, like India, like somewhat fits the profile. Like he, he has, he's in the 93rd percentile in chase rate. Um, he, he doesn't strike out too terribly often has always been better than league average in K rate doesn't swing and miss too often has always been well above league average in whiff rate. He walks a good amount, almost a walk rate of 10% this year. I'm not saying that it's the worst fit in the world. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying for me personally, I, I, especially considering we would have to give up like decent assets. They're not going to ask for Jackson Job. Or, or, you know, like any of the blue chips, really. They're not going to ask for, for any of those, like, really high-end guys. But you're going to have to give up something somewhat decent. This is a guy who won Rookie of the Year and has three years of team control left. He's three years into his major league career. Three years of control for a position that is also historically weak offensively, and he has shown the ability, consistent or not, to put up offensive numbers. It's not going to be cheap. Uh, and if they were able to get him, I wouldn't be like super upset, 
I just, I'm much happier and I would lean much more on the side of let's just keep all of our assets or at least use them in other ways for bigger team needs and give the literal best hitting prospect in this entire freaking organization maybe a chance to play Major League Baseball. So that's kind of where I stand uh, on Jonathan India. Again, it's nothing uh, like necessarily against the dude. And again, he's only 26. He was really good at Florida. I, I miss watching those Florida teams uh, back in the day. Like he, he's talented. And, and I think that, you know, a team out there certainly is going to look at him and go, we can quote unquote fix him and get him back to, you know, 800 plus OPS ball, which that out of second base would be valuable. But uh, I don't think the Tigers are in a position to like pressure themselves into doing that. Okay. You, you want to play him at third. He played third a little bit in the minors, a little bit in college. I, I guess you could maybe do that. But you moved Colt Keith to second because of his weak arm, and Jonathan India has one of the weaker arms in the entire game of baseball. Bottom 15% pretty consistently throughout his career. Uh, he, he again, I, I still think that, that a team can get their hands on him and make adjustments and have him uh, continue to climb up. But I don't think the Tigers are in like dire need to make sure that it's them. That's all. I hope that makes sense. Uh, let's, I think that's it really for uh, for Jonathan India and for Kenta Maeda. The last thing we're going to talk about is we'll end the show by paying our respects to Tigers great Willie Hernandez, who unfortunately passed away on Tuesday afternoon at the age of 69 years old. Willie Hernandez, man, just truly one of the greatest Tigers to ever wear an old English D. And that's just always sad whenever you have to read about the passing of someone that's not that old either, man, right, in his 60s. Uh, his 1984 season is one of the greatest single seasons any relief pitcher has ever had in the entire game of baseball's history, in the history of the planet. There's an argument it's the best. I'm not saying that that is what I'm I'm trying to tell you right now. I'm just saying that it's in the conversation. If you were to rank the greatest really I mean, – Zach Britton obviously had some great years, right, at the year you probably should have won Cy Young or at least gotten a higher ranking. Like, there's a lot of great reliever seasons out there. Gagne, obviously, with the streak. But you don't have a conversation about greatest relief pitching seasons ever without talking about 1984 Willie Hernandez, baby. You don't. 192 ERA and 140 innings out of the bullpen. He won Cy Young. He won MVP as a closer. And he took home a World Series ring back to Puerto Rico. He was the freaking man. He was awesome. And it's it really is. It, it, it's always sad. It's always sad when... Uh, when, when someone of this magnitude, or really any magnitude, just someone who is such a prominent part of so many people in this city's childhood or young adulthood or just Tigers fandom in general. And that's what we lost on Tuesday afternoon. So uh, rest in peace to Willie Hernandez. Uh, he was also a very big deal in Puerto Rico. He is, I believe he was the first ever... Puerto Rican to win Cy Young. 
Uh, I believe that's correct. I'll, I'll have to, th- there's some articles out there that have already highlighted his impact on the game of baseball in Puerto Rico. Um, just, he, he was, he was the man. And when the Tigers brought him in, it is, I know, uh, Rogelio over at uh, Motor City Metrics has, has already written some articles about it. it. It's one of the greatest acquisitions in the history of this franchise, right? This guy had never made an all-star game before. He was a good reliever, right? But like, you know, consistent ERAs and like the threes, like he was good. He was one of the better relievers on, on most of the teams he played for, the Cubs and the Phillies before that. But the Tigers brought him in and in three consecutive seasons, he was an all-star and he won an MVP as a closer in a year where the Tigers won the World Series. 140 and a third innings pitched as a closer. Such an impact to so many people in the city of Detroit. Such an impact to so many people in uh, in Puerto Rico. Truly, truly will be missed. The man. Rest in peace to Willie Hernandez. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow. All right. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then. And RIP Willie. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.